0: kind of a little bit everywhere this morning Um, I'm going to go back to Romans 4 and 17 and read that again I want to say thank you for being here this morning thank you for another tremendous year that we had thank you for being faithful Thank you for being dedicated. Thank you for any person who serves in any capacity in the church in any way. I want to say thank you uh, this morning for that. We're excited and looking forward to a great new year and a great year to come. Holding on to hope, holding on to faith, holding on to strength, holding on to... His promises not only for the church, the body, the bride of Christ, but also the promises over your life and also new promises over your life that will come forth this year in direction and purpose and destiny. So I want to say thank you for that. Uh, Romans 4, 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom before him whom he believed, even God quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And we know that there is power in the tongue. The Bible says that there's life and there's death in the tongue, there's cursings, there's blessings. The Bible also says the tongue is the most unruly part of the body. The tongue is the last thing that can even be tamed. So we can give our hearts and our lives and all to Jesus, but usually it's the last thing that we completely surrender over Him. And it's still the thing that we all struggle with the most. Come on, somebody. Is what comes out of our mouth and, and spur-of-the-moment situations and, and moments that that happen that we think, that we speak before we think. Because the tongue is the most unruly part of the body, and we still live in a body of, of flesh. So we have to change the way we speak, okay? We can change it in our heart the way we, we we go about things in our mindset, but until it comes out of our mouth then it just continues I would say stays bottled up inside of us. Because to speak declarations and decrees and to speak things this word even God has given us to speak those things it has to come out of your mouth. And the Bible says if your, mouth, your heart's right, your mouth should be right, but still we we all know that we have a people, we have a lot of hearts right, but still some things flow out of the mouth that shouldn't flow out of the mouth. Amen? Amen. And once you speak a word, it cannot be taken back. The, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. That is a lie. Words are one of the most powerful things that do hurt people the most. They do cut, and when they cut, they cut deep. And we can ask for forgiveness, and we can say that we're sorry, but once it's been spoken, it has always been spoken. Amen? So we as the body And as Christians have to watch Everything that we speak That's the reason the Bible says you should think On these things whatever's good Whatever is lovely whatever is right Those things you should think on and meditate On not the things of this World and those things we have A way and a standard of Living and even a standard of Communication but it is all Written in this word that we're supposed to Speak by and that we're supposed to Live by so we need to start prophesying in our own lives and over our own health, our own uh, situations, our own things good things that come out of our mouth. We have to speak those things. Amen. Uh, Sister Bird was telling me a story about Pastor Dick Braswell that uh, when the slab was just poured for the building that is down the road here that every time he would come into the church and, and start or greet the people he would say did you see the new building out front even though there was nothing there Yet. That's the mentality that we have to take home to have. That is faith, okay? That is faith and that is putting your faith to work and that is putting your faith to test. That is putting your faith out there for God to use it. So uh, you might see me every Sunday now step up and say thank you for the million dollars that was given this week. Amen? Or thank you for the 500 people that are here or the 500 healings that happen, or the 500 salvations that happen. We We have to walk a life of faith and expectancy okay we have to expect those things to come to pass when we speak them especially when they're in this word and they line up with this word of God because even Jesus even God here says he quickened the dead and call us those things which be not as though they were that means Moses uh, Abraham's womb and Sarah's womb was dead it was dry but he still called dead things in our eyes to life amen because he's God That's what he does That's what Jesus does Jesus followed in his footsteps He come to this earth And the first one of the stories we read is Lazarus That he called forth from the dead But Jesus give us a command also That says the same thing you've seen me do You shall do also and greater So we have that calling and commandment upon our life, So it lines up with the word of God To call situations, impossible situations, impossible things to come to life or to come forth or to come to fruition because why because we're speaking it out of our heart of faith and we're speaking it out of a mouth that puts it out into the atmosphere for it to accomplish that's the reason his, his word goes forth and it does what it's supposed to be accomplished to do well if the word never goes forth out then it can never accomplish what it needs to do so how does it go forth it goes forth by the speaking of it by the declaration of it by the believing in it by the faith that we speak it that's how it goes forth so everything out of her mouth could and should be some type of prophecy or some type of blessing upon your life because you have that authority to bless yourself or to curse yourself we have that authority. I have that authority as the pastor. You, we have that authority as this church, and the, as we go forth, I can get beat down and I can either stay in the negative and say, God, I don't know why, or this or that, or we can say, God, I bless this situation. I thank you for what we're going through because I know there's greater than what they was before. Because that's the way you operate. We never God never goes back to something normal or something that even was sometimes supernatural. He He's got the next supernatural thing and the next greatest thing. He does not operate in going backwards. He don't do that. So our mentality as a church, as a whole... We have to change the way we see things and change the way we think things and speak things. We have to say, Lord, this coming up here will be one of the greatest ever known to mankind, one of the greatest movement. And that movement can happen right here at this church, in this community, with this body, with this people, with this worship, with this pastor, with these leaders, with you in the pew, with the servants here. It can happen with you and your family. And that's the way we... We got to think and then next year if God tarries and we have another year guess what well then the next year should be the greatest revival the greatest movement the greatest fire in your life because God is a continuing consuming fire and he always moves forward always even when it looks like a setback it's never a setback it's always a setup. always but what prevents the the setup from becoming the setup is us how will we perceive what we are going through in your life how will we perceive what we go through as a church when battles and, and things come our way how will we perceive that because that's the way in the old testament, probably in the new, and even now, I don't know why that's the way it is now. Because when something happens in our life that that does not agree with self, then we perceive it automatically as bad. And then we want to put a name on it, bad or or unworthy or or shameful or Whatever it is, that's the way in the Old Testament when, when um, and I mentioned this last Sunday, when somebody went into labor and had a kid, whatever situation they were going into or whatever was happening in that moment, that was the kid's name. And that's the way we do a lot of times. Whatever situation we're going in in that moment, then we want to name that situation whatever it is that we are going through. Amen. And we actually put a curse upon our life instead of a blessing upon our life because the thing that you're going through is never meant to kill you, destroy you, or curse you. If it's from God, it's always meant to set you up, bless you, and move you forward. Even if it's from the enemy, the God says, I'll turn it for your good. So there's no circumstance. There's no situation, there's no storm There's no trial in your life That is ever meant to harm you or destroy you But you sat there in it and you name it that and once you name it, it's a constant thing that's in the back of your mind that I named it this. You remember that situation. You remember back and so and so and, and this and that. And that's the same way it was But when it came in names in the Old Testament when actually we have the authority, even though what you're going through, to call something alive. Okay, it don't matter what you're going through. You have the authority to call it something else. We have to start doing that. We have to start calling things, things that seem impossible possible. Because if we don't, then we don't really believe who God says he is. We really don't believe when Jesus said the same things you've seen me do, you shall do also. We really don't believe the Bible because he says with man all things are impossible, but with me all things are possible. That means anything. So we have to start thinking and communicating and speaking that, that all things are possible with him. we got to have him. Without him, there, there's nothing possible. Zero. He's got to be the first, foremost, in front, number one, not second, in everything that we do. He's got to be that. I thought about, you know, last week as as we went to, I mentioned um, um, Jacob wrestling with the angel. But I also thought about Lazarus. You know, Jesus had the perfect opportunity that he could have changed Lazarus' name because he was dead. He was dead. So when he called him forth, he could have called him by another name and renamed him because it was something new. His life was coming back to life, but he didn't. He called him Lazarus. And the thought that hit my mind is that sometimes the situation that you're in, that we want Jesus to rename us. It would be easier for us to be renamed. Because a lot of times your name is, it, not a lot, all the time your name is tied to your identity. People can say, if you've done something, if I've done something back in high school or whatever, guess what? Then people who knew me back then and say that can always, uh, you remember when Jared done this, all right? when Jared done that or when you done this or you done that, and you're like, Lord, I pray, I wish they would forget that mess that i done. Well, it's tied to your name because it identifies you as something they've seen that happen in your life. So a lot of people might went through 2022, and in 2023, you want your name to be changed, but God says, for my glory, I'll bring you out of a dead situation and still call you Lazarus or call you who, because now I'm going to identify what you just come out of as your new name. See, that now Lazarus didn't go by what, when he come out of that grave, nobody really recognized him for what had happened before that. They didn't say that was Lazarus that through a rock, through that guy's window down there. But when he come out of that grave, there's like, you know, Lazarus that come out of that grave that was dead for four days. So your very situation, your very thing that you are going through sometimes does not come along with a new name change, but it comes along with a new identity. It identified Lazarus as coming out of a dead spot and now he was alive forevermore. So, some things you have to go through. You have to be, go through it and allow God to change you. That's what I'm trying to get at. You've got to go through those situations and allow God to change you. And in that changing of that thing, your identity becomes who you are and not the past situation of what you have been. Yet he was bound in the grave, but he come out and was alive and unbound. And that's the way he is known through the old. That's the way we preach him. Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead. You know, so don't take. What you have right now, allow God to change your identity in whatever that is in your life. And Isaiah 43. I didn't finish reading Romans while y'all flipping there. I'll finish reading uh, Romans. Isaiah 43. Romans, I'll read it while y'all sitting there. Call those things which are not, and I said against, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be, according to what that which was spoken, so thy seed shall be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but through strong, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and believing fully and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. What he had promised, he was able to perform. What he had promised, he was able to perform what he has promised over your life, he is able to perform. What he has promised over this church, he is able to perform. What he has promised over your family, your kids, he is able to perform. What he has promised over the lost prodigal, what he has promised even about the gospel going into all the earth, he is able to perform. He is able to perform the things that he promises. So whatever promise you have in your life, he is able to perform it. What keeps him from performing it is what Moses didn't let go of. What was first was hope. He kept his hope and against hope believed in hope. He kept his faith. It says that not being weak in faith, he considered his own body not dead. And then he didn't stagger, not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory. So how do you see the promise come to pass? Because he, the promises, is able to perform it. What you have to do is hold on to hope. What you have to do is be strong in your faith. What you have to do is be uh, stagger not at the promises. Don't be have unbelief in you. And then you have to give glory to God. Those are the four things to see your promise come to pass, that he has promised that you must do. Okay? A lot of times we ask God, where's the promise? Just like Abraham did and took it into his own hands. And that's the reason we read this here in Romans and we look back at Abraham and said, well, it looks like he did stagger. It looks like he didn't have, uh, he didn't believe God can do it. You can look back and say this contradicts a little bit. You can look back and say those things. And, and sure, maybe maybe it does. Maybe it does contradict itself a little bit. But God, like I said, looks on the heart. Abraham believed it so much that he was willing to try to make it happen every which way he could. Was that wrong? Well, I don't know. I can't tell you. I can tell you that the same kid, the same kid, had the same blessing. Same same blessing. I'm gonna make him out of his seed. Shall come many that he, he's gonna be blessed, just like the other kids gonna be blessed. He's going to do these things. So I I can't tell you that. All I know is all things work to good for the glory of God. So if we do make a mess up and do try to take it into our own hands, God can turn that situation around and make those things just as blessed as the other things are that is blessed in your life. Because guess what? In the end, God, he don't make mistakes. Amen? He don't make mistakes. I kind of got off a little bit there. So we must have hope, we must have uh, strong in faith, we must uh, be not staggered at the promise, and we must give God the glory for what he is able to perform. So Isaiah 43, 15. says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters which bringeth forth the chariot and horse the army and the power they shall lie down together they shall not rise they are extinct they are quenched as to remember ye not the former things neither consider the things of old behold i will do a new thing not not i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall ye not know it i will make A way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm going to read that one more time. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will make a way in the wilderness, even in rivers in the desert. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4. We find a, a verse, in verse 22, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteous and true holiness. So what he is saying here is in anything to get something new, you have to let go of the past. Lazarus to get to come to life he had to let go of death or death had to let go of him and I thought about somebody that said that and I've never thought about this you know what, what would have been the commentary on Lazarus somebody who had been in heaven for four days and God says you got to go back <laughs> I'd be like, G- come, G- do you know what you just done to me you called me Think about it. I'd love to hear, heard the conversation between him and Jesus at some point. But it was for his glory. The thing about this is when God is trying to do a new thing, he says in Isaiah 43, 19, and it shall come forth, he wants to know a question, shall you not know it? We get caught so much up in the way things are, especially if they are going good. If things in your life are going good, we get caught up, and then when something new comes along, we do not want to change because everything is going like we like it. Everything is just flowing along. You're having the best time of your life, everything. And then something happens that requires you to change, and we immediately throw up our hands and say, "We, I don't want to change because it's good right now. Amen? It's good right now. So when God is trying to do a new thing, shall we not know it because we're stuck in the old thing because we like the way it is? We're comfortable there. We're comfortable in the way it is. We've learned the formalities. We've learned the ways. We've learned the things, and we like it that way. We are creatures of habit. We like doing things the same way every day. We like a routine for most part, and that's the way we are. And so when God tries to do something new, oftentimes I think he says, do you not even know what I'm trying to do? Because you're stuck in the complacency of what you're in because you're comfortable in the routine and the things. That's the reason we in and sit on the same pews most of the times and do the same things over and over it was because that's our routine. It's fine for that, but if God is trying to change you and you're so stuck in your now that you can't go to your future, then you'll never move out of what you are into what he wants you to be because you're not willing to let go of the comfortableness around you. And we live our Christian lives a lot of times like that. The Christian can be one of the most comfortable places in some points in our lives Going to church can be some of the most comfortable places We want to find a church That we are comfortable with We want to find a church That meets all our needs We want to find a church That we can come in every Sunday And nothing's going to be out of the way Or anything messed up Because that's who we are We know we, that's, that's it And God says I cannot move you Past the place that you are Because you're stuck in the comfortableness That's one of the most dangerous places that we can be. And that's what he means when he talks to the Laodicean church and says lukewarmness. That's what he's talking about. The Western church has, for the most part, become lukewarm because it's the comfort in knowing how things are going to be. It's the comfort in knowing that I'm going to park in the same parking place. I'm going to come in. I'm going to shake the same hands of the people that I shake hands with every Sunday. Uh, I'm going to come through the doors, and I'm going to find the place that I usually set every Sunday. I'm going to come in. We're going to open the service, have some announcements, uh, take up the offering, go into worship, hear the word, We're going to get out and we're going to go home or we're going to go to the restaurant and we're going to go eat. So if anything in that time span of that allotted time that I have allowed for church that week gets messed up in any way, then I'm not okay with it. Amen. If if one of those, not all of them, if one of those things get messed up, then it throws us all into a tizzy. It throws us all. What are we going to do? What? What? Are we, can you believe this happened? Can that that throws us all out of a routine. That that we get up and so caught up in the comfortness of it that God says, "I'm trying to do something new," and, and we're so comfortable that that the things have got to. That basically we tie His hands because He is new every day. His mercies, his his righteousness, His love his his everything about him is can be new in your life every day The reason why we as Christians do not move forward in God is because we conform Him to the way we want Him and we don't look for His newness every day. We wake up and if we pray, we wake up and we pray for the 10 minutes and we get on about our day and we come home, we lay our head, we say our prayers and so we look at Him the same way every day and so we don't allow Him to change us because we don't like change. Well, if, 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 if church goes a little longer than it is and my belly makes three growls, I'm out of here. Because we've confined him to a certain amount of hours. Not only in church, but you've, you've confined him to a certain amount of hours even in your week. And if he wakes you up in the middle of the night and pricks on your heart to pray, It's because he's trying to change you. But a lot of times he wakes us up, pricks our heart, and we go back to sleep. Because we do not like change. That's the reason he says, I want to do a new thing. But will you not even know it? Because we like holding on to comfort ablenessness we like it we like it the way and can can I am I guilty of that yes because like i said we are creatures of habit am i guilty of it absolutely i'm guilty of it but if god is god in our lives and god is controlling us and god is leading us then guess what there will be structure in your life, but there will also be wide open to God to what do you want to do, how do you want to do it, because I'm here for you. I was created by you for you, and you need to operate through me. And all things that we see in, in, in the Word that we go back, and I'll go back through a little bit of them. All things, to the, the, the big things in the Word, Moses, change came. Change came through the way of of not something good. He killed a man. He killed a man. Crisis happened. What am I going to do? If they find out I've done this, then they're going to kill me. So he flees. So crisis a lot of times is sent on by To change you, to get you out of a situation, to get you out of a place that you are in. Because if it come another way, you wouldn't leave. If he wouldn't have killed the guy, he wouldn't have never left. Some of the biggest crises that you go through in life is for you to change. For you to move from one season to the next season. From one purpose to the next purpose. That is what it comes for. So him killing uh, killing the, the boy allowed him to flee into a land. and allows him to, to meet Jethro, his father-in-law, and, and marry his daughter. And then it also allows him to go, like I said, on the backside of a desert uh, right next to the mountain of God. He would have never got there if the crisis would not hit hit his life to push him in that direction. See what I'm saying? There's always two things you can do in crisis. You can acknowledge God in it, or you can't. So that sent him to be who he was, that set him up on that situation to have an encounter with God on the backside of a desert that allowed him to turn and see the bush and hear the voice coming out of the bush, allowed him to take off his shoes and walk on holy ground and be that. But if he's not willing to change, he never gets to his destiny. Never gets to his destiny. We can go back, I mean, we can rehash a, a, a Jacob well also um, Abraham the first thing the first thing well that was Moses let's talk about Abraham Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 God speaks and tells uh tells Abraham to leave this land go to a land I will show you just just get up and leave that's all the directions he gets and don't take any kinfolk with you what he says well he gets up he leaves but he makes one mistake takes a lot with him takes a lot with him a lot probably with something comfortable person that he probably talked to had you know maybe they was Rose to get to where you're going a lot of times allow you to leave everything True change requires you to lay everything down in your life. Everything. True change requires you to lay everything down in your life. And because Abraham took Lot with him, what do we see happen? We see a division, we see a a rift. I'm saying that where the land has to be split, where you have to go this way and you have to go that way. Lot like chooses the good side. Abraham took took the rest of it. So what I'm saying is if he would been willing to leave that there, some of the things he went through, he wouldn't have to go through. So when God calls for change in your life, if we're not willing to leave everything that God says leaving, then we're going to, it's gonna cause problems at some point. And there's nobody to blame but ourselves because we brought the baggage along that God told us to leave behind. We can look at Jacob. What did we say that he done when he was there that night? He said that he sent in in Genesis chapter 32, 22 through 26, it says he sent over what he had had to the other side of the brook, his wives. And the kids, all his possessions, he sent over to the other side, and he stayed back. He was willing to let everything go. And then in that night of his willingness that he had in the encounter with, with the angel of the Lord, and they wrestled all night long. And we talked about this last week, about in these times that we have to be willing. Will we be persistent? Will we cause God to or the angel to ask, what is our name? Will we be so persistent? That he says, Who is that? Will we be willing to not let go for him to come through? We are in all actually, and we in all actuality are not waiting on heaven, heaven is waiting on us. Think about that. We're not waiting on heaven. Heaven's waiting on us. And if we're not willing, and you're not willing. In your life in 2023 to change, then what you do is you become stuck and complacent. And I've said it before, a rut is a grave with both ends open. You're dying. If you're in a rut, that's where you are. Ultimately, you're in a grave. God is waiting on us to move. He is waiting on us to say yes. He is waiting on us to be persistent. He is waiting on us to not let go when things don't go our way. He is waiting on us to move. He is waiting on us to turn. He is waiting on us to take our shoes off. He is waiting on us to grab a hold. He is waiting on us to ask all the questions. He is waiting on us to move because that's what he wants to do. Simon, I I read this in John 1 chapter 42. I mean, John 1, verse 42. Simon gives uh, John gives this account that Jesus was speaking and calling, and he called Simon, Sapphias, which meant stone, which meant rock, surname. According to John, the first day that Jesus met Simon, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is interpretation of stone. And if you look the word up, Cephas in the Greek, that's what it means, and, it either, and it's got surname Peter. So at the beginning of his life, he's already called something else. Jesus already has and knew who he would be. But it took... Simon getting the revelation of who Jesus was for him to step in to his name. I don't think you call that. In the beginning, in John chapter 1, Jesus calls Simon Peter, he calls Simon Peter, he calls him suffice the stone, the rock. But it's not till later home that he steps into that because he has the revelation of who Jesus is. Okay? G- Jesus has a new name. I, 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 y'all say I'm probably making this so confusion about Lazarus and his name didn't get changed. But guess what? Lazarus' name does get changed because in Revelation, he says, I have a new name. I'll get there in a minute. A lot of times, Jesus knows who we are, but until we have the revelation, we will not walk in who we are until we know who he is. In your life, you will not walk in your true identity until you have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Us as a church, we cannot walk in our true identity until we have the revelation of who he is. He's done called us whatever he wants to call us. He's done named you whatever he wants to name you. But he says, before, in order to you to walk in the purpose and calling, you have to have the revelation of who I am. Well, we can say that Moses had a revelation because he had a burning bush. And Jesus said, he tells him, God says, I, I am that I am. He had the revelation. Jacob has the revelation with the angel. I wrestled with him all night, they communicated, they talked. But I thought it funny that in John chapter 1, that Simon is actually mentioned as Peter, we'll say it's Sophias. But he does not take on that name until he has the revelation of who Jesus is in his life. And we will keep walking in our name that, until we have that revelation. In Revelation, we'll get there. In Revelation two seventeen, then he says, "He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." To him that overcometh, will I give to eat the he, to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. So you do have a new name that God has for you, and that will He will give you. Side note here: when He Ends these letters. He starts off these letters. No, to the church of Laodicea, to the church of Tyre, Tyre, to the church of this, and often he ends it. He says to the churches with an S. Let him hear. So the letters were written for a specific church, but also they were written for every church to hear what he is saying. The churches. Revelation three twelve. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will up upon him my new name. So you do have a new name. You do have a new name, and we'll all receive one when we get to heaven. But we have to leave everything to get that new name. Guess what? Back to here. You have to leave this place behind get something new, you have to leave the past behind. That's just the bottom line. That's just it. Travis, if you want to come. To get something new, you have to leave the past behind. To get the new name that Jesus has for you, you have to leave this life behind. For Jesus to be called Jesus, he left heaven behind. For him to take on a new name, his earthly name, he had to leave heaven behind to get the name. And then once again, he'll come back, the Bible says. He'll have a new name. Because he's leaving the redemption, the Savior part, behind. And now he's king. He's fulfilled being Savior. He's fulfilled being the Lamb. And when he comes again, it says he'll have a new name also. So it tells us no matter what we do, if we're going to get something new, if we're going to move forward, the past has to be the past. It has to stay behind. It has to stay behind. So in this year that we're going through, whatever happened in 2022, In your life, it has to stay in 2022. For you to get what God is for us, to get what God wants us to get and move forward. It has to stay in the past. If you would stand with me. change has to happen in your heart first you have to purpose to do and to make that decision and then you have to speak it you have to proclaim it out of your mouth don't let your present situation or circumstance be the name that you call it hopelessness weariness sadness Darkness, comfortless. Jesus turns all those things around. You know, Jacob was good at holding on to things because that's where his name come from. Hill grabber, or planter, he was good at holding on identity was holding on to things but at some point in your life and when he wrestled with the angel some point in your life you got to quit holding on to those things and hold on to God's things no matter how good you are at something if it's not for God don't mean anything What you're holding on to often reveals your identity. Because as Jacob come out and he was holding on to the hill, it identified him. And when he wrestled with that angel tonight, that night, and as he held on and wouldn't let go, he was holding on for the right reasons this time. Hold on to things for the right reasons. He was holding on that the angel would bless him. That he would give him a blessing. So the things that you used to hold on to that, that may identified your life as something. And, and you may even be good at holding on to things. Let this be a year that you let go. And have your work. You have to be willing to purposely in your heart to let go of the wrong things and with a bulldog tenacity hold on to the right things. You have to be willingly, purposely in your heart to let go of the wrong things and with a bulldog tenacity hold on to the right things. You have to be willing to do that. Because God wants to get you into newness. He wants to take you in a new direction in a new place he wants to take us in a new direction into a new place quit calling things quit calling your situation I don't know who I'm speaking to right now quit calling your situation hopelessness in Numbers chapter 13 verse 33 it says that the giant the, the the spies had come back they said there was they told their report there was giants the descendants of Anak and it says they said and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight don't you to get that their report was we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. You know, they had done heard about the children of Israel and were scared. They had done heard about what God had done for them in their lives. But because they saw themselves as a grasshopper, they automatically assumed the enemy seen them the same way as a grasshopper. Quit calling yourself things that you're not. Because when you do that, the enemy looks at you and does the same thing. He gets into your head, says you're worthless, you're unworthy, you're not enough, you are never be good enough, it'll never change, things will never happened for you. He's getting that from what you're saying. He's getting that from what you are saying. So we have to speak. Call those things that are not as though they are. We have to speak that we are children of the king. We are sons and daughters. We are priests and we are kings. And let God change you and your life. Lord, we thank you today for all your many blessings. Lord, I pray God as we move forward, Lord, we are willing to let go of the comfortableness. God, we are willing to Go forth, God, in whatever way that you want to do it, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that you're not sitting there looking down at us saying, I'm trying to do a new thing, but you don't even know it. Because we are not willing to let go of the old. God, I pray, God, that we open up our hearts and lives for you to communicate and you to talk with us. If there's anybody in here this morning and you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, you need to start off this year with a newness, a new fresh oil, fresh anointing, a fresh slate then these altars are open for you right now don't stay calling yourself something that you are not call yourself free, call yourself chosen call yourself worthy That's what he calls you. So if you need to come to these altars right now as they continue to sing, these altars are open. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. It's up to you. Even every man, when he comes born again, that's why it's called born again, is new. But it's up to you whether you walk in that newness, okay? Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation. Who has to put off the former conversation? conversation you do you have to do that you have to put off concerning the former conversation the old man who has to put that off you do which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness Every day you choose who you're going to put on. Either you're going to put on the old one or you're going to put on the new one. You have to make that choice. You do. So, and that's all of us. We have to choose whether we're going to identify with what God is doing and what he has changed or that we're going to identify with the old person and be that. So you have a responsibility in this. You do. It falls on you to speak that life and that destiny and that purpose into your life. You do. Lord, we thank you for what you have done here this morning. God, I praise you, Jesus, that in you, God, all things are new. God, help us not to hold on to the past, past identities, past failures. Lord, but only look, God, Jesus, when we need the place, God, to go for your glory to be revealed in our lives. Lord, but to always identify, God, and be willing, God, to be changed by the Spirit and led by the Spirit, God. God, in new ways, God, in new revelation, God, in new word and new wisdom, new direction, God, new callings, new paths, God. God, help us to be open, God, for you to come in and change, God, our lives and not to stay stuck in the comfortableness God, of things of the past, God, but be willing to move forward kind of what you're trying to do, God, because new things, God, comes new encounters, God, new directions, new purposes. So, God, we look to you, God, the author and finisher of our faith, God, to be led and directed by you, God, throughout this year, God, not only, God, in our personal lives, God, but also, God, in the direction of this church and this body, God, your body, and Jesus We thank you for that. We praise you for that. And everybody said amen. I know last week uh, I said something about, I presented about changing the name of the church. Um, I want, we're not going to take a vote this Sunday. I've been praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. Uh, But the Sunday after the revival, like I said, something that I want, I wanted to push forward if it's God's will, Lord. If it's Your will, not mine, be done. Uh, so that gives us a little more time to pray, gives us a little more time to fast about it. And uh, I believe this revival will be a, a big um, a key in our identity, or a key in what God wants to do in this church. Uh, so I just felt in my spirit to put that off until the Sunday after the revival, so continue to pray about it, uh, continue to see God's face about it, but like I said, the word that he has given me goes along with with the the vision of the church, and that is encounter, encounter church, encounter church of God, uh, uh, because that's what we want, that's our identity, our names should line up with our identity, because that's the way it was in the Bible, their names, I lined up with their identity. So there's nothing wrong with Lot Road Church of God. There's nothing wrong with that name. It's just like I said back then, churches would name names to identify them in the community because we didn't have, I believe, we didn't have Google and GPS and stuff like that. So if you were coming from afar off, if you could get to Lot Road, you know there wasn't maps and things readiness back in them days like they are today. So Lot Road identifies a road. Let's be honest. So, you know, but I said it would have to be a bodily decision if that's what it was, not my decision. So that's the word He has given me. So we'll continue to pray about that and and revisit that right after the revival, uh, as far as that goes. All minds clear. You you good? Everybody good? All right. Y'all go be blessed, Lord. I pray Your blessings got upon every family, every life. God, go before us. God, make the crooked path straight. God, in the mountains, become low. God, prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. Lord, let us find, God, divine favor with you first and foremost, Lord, and then with men. Arise and let our enemies be scattered. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And everybody said, amen.